questions to myself. <laughs> you want to interview yourself on this one? I can, I can always yeah, do that. Yeah. You guys take a back seat, just <laughs> we'll throw in some commentary every now and again. <laughs> the comedic relief. <laughs> uh, thanks for taking the time for us, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. I always got time you. for you guys. There we go. Got it. Awesome. So, uh, everybody, welcome to Good Muscle Hustle Radio. This is episode something. Uh, we got James Thayer, the man, the myth, the legend. Um, can you just give everybody that doesn't know you, everybody that's coming um, and listening to this, a little bit of who you are, what you're doing, and all that good stuff? Yeah, absolutely. First off, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure to um, get talk shop with you guys. Um, so my name is James there. Um, currently, I work at Washburn as the assistant director of fitness and health promotion um, in that I oversee personal trainers, group fitness instructors, um, our fitness operations staff and any um, fitness, health, wellness events that we do at the university. Um, that's one of probably like three jobs, I suppose. Um, the other one is um, I own my own company by product performance. Um, with that, I do individual coaching consultations and, um, put on clinics, workshops, um, private seminars for either an open gym setting or closed gym setting for, um, the personal training staff or fitness staff. And then the last one, um, probably what I'm best known for is um, working with Prescript. Um, with them, they're a online education fitness company. Um, I do been doing labs for them for about two years now. And basically that's a open call where coaches can come in and it facilitates conversation, um, being able to ask specific questions to their clients, being able to ask um, things about their training, just fitness stuff in general, a way to kind of bridge that gap from the course material uh, and through them also created the programming principles course. With that course, it teaches coaches how to program. Yeah, I know personally those labs are, they're, they're great. You know what I mean? You can go in, you can do case studies and get, you know, different views and methodologies and theologies from different coaches honestly around the entire globe too i mean we got what bax is uk uh you're here we got what eric Vigera up in canada you got schultz up in western canada and you got a bunch of good group of coaches that are underneath the prescript from the level one two guys level two guys that are certified through that company that you know bring a good uh mindset to the table as well for sure yeah absolutely absolutely with that um so that's probably one of my favorite aspects and really how I got started with the company and something I enjoy bringing to, to workshops, something I enjoy to bringing my staff training at the university is just that collective input that it's not just a like quick Q and a just answer, 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 rapid fire. Um, it's more so really searching out um, the context of an answer. It's getting perspective from different coaches. It really allows it to naturally become a community and conversation instead of just, you know, a one, one answer back and forth. It really allows it to kind of 
expand and grow where it needs to because we're not limited in needing to answer so many questions. It's just, hey, we have an hour, whatever we can get to in that time. And the perspective and feedback from the coaches around the world and the other aspect of it is it allows the different levels. So we have anywhere from trainers and coaches that are just starting in the industry and like just getting their own education. They haven't even maybe started with too many clients. They're still trying to develop themselves to um, seasoned vets that, you know, have been doing it for five, 10 years to um, I think now we can claim uh, Bax has his uh, doctorate in physical therapy. So, you know, we have physical therapists, we have people with masters, bachelors, we have people without any formal education that have just have so much experience and have sought that out through their own education outside of a school setting. I think it allows for like a very unique blend of perspective and conversation in those. For sure. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, personally, um, and I think this episode might be just more tailored to like coaches and trainers. Yeah. So, um, you know, the coaches and trainers out there listening pre-script, um, you know, in my opinion, is one of the the best pillars of education, if you call it that, that I've done as far as, you know, you've, you can get your foundational cert through, you know, other places, ACE, um, NASM, whatever. But for me personally, Prescript was one of the best um, as far as understanding um, the knowledge and being able to apply a lecture, literally, like if I went through a lecture, I have a client, you know, like right after that, I could apply what I learned in that hour to my client that I had, which for me was like, that was gold because, you know, we want to help the people that we work with better. So, um, for me, it was, um, one of the best, uh, pillars that I've ever done. Um, and I'm sure you guys have. Yes. I mean, you know, going, getting into the industry, I did, you know, military for nine years, 10 years, corporate fucking doing all that jazz. And then really, really wasn't my passion and talking with Alex, like, Hey, get on that prescript train. And my first couple of, uh, in-person lives when the shallow was teaching it was like, Holy fuck, this is a lot of information, a lot of good information, but it was, it was taught. Well, I can process it and regurgitate it back to anybody instantly and it's it's hard to find good education like that that you know they take the time to teach break it down barney style so to speak mm-hmm. you know take it in and be able to teach it the same way they taught it to a client or to another individual so definitely a, a high level education system for sure yeah, i think that's something we hear time and time again is the lecture style is very unique to prescript if okay. uh if you haven't taken a um, course and you're listening, just about every month now there is a free webinar. So if you are following um, Instagram, Facebook, that's promoted just about every month now. If if you want examples to that, um, you can always sign up for one of those and kind of get a little bit of taste of it. But I'd say the lecture style is <laughs> it's a little unique, but but it is that it's digestible, it's understandable at multiple levels that if you have a lot of experience, you can really dive deep into it and kind of take it through a wormhole of 
um, how to apply it, not just the application of it, but the different context to it, but also um, no matter your experience, you're going to take something away from the lab that you can literally walk out from that lab to directly apply and start either looking for being more mindful in, in selecting something, being a bit more intentional in why you're doing it this way instead of that way. And then that follow-up with the lab allows it to kind of branch out and develop a bit more to start layering, contextualizing why and when, what's appropriate, what might not be appropriate for that individual and kind of give you a guiding path to um, really be able to apply and evolve as the class goes. It's not one of those where, okay, I went through 14 weeks and now I have to start thinking about applying stuff. It's No, I've been applying something every single single lecture now whenever i go through the second time and rewatching that's the great thing is with it all being online you can rewatch it now you start you know adding up not everything that you just learned through the first round but also you can start putting pieces to it you can start going layers deep and have a better understanding because you've applied it i think that's sometimes what's missing in um, some of the like university education or foundational um, CPTs is that ability to directly apply because there is a lot of experience and there's a lot of learning that comes with that application. Yeah, absolutely. Now you have a course that you teach. Um, can you give a little bit of insight into, um, you know, what that is and uh, give our listeners just a little little taste of that yeah absolutely so depending when this comes out um it will either be announced or still close to announcing but um that course is probably coming back relatively soon in the new year um so be on the lookout for it so it's the um principles of programming course and um developed that with james mcintosh um, so whenever we, we do the Sunday editions of the RXD radio podcast and through those conversations, one of the things that we kept coming back to was programming that, you know, most people, even through getting a foundational certification, don't necessarily understand the intricacies of programming or don't take it to a depth that it could be taken. You kind of have two sides of on the fitness um in the fitness industry they're like kind of cookie cutter programming where like here's a four cell program to be able to do it it's not individualized and that that can be fine that can be a great introduction for people that can be a good add-on that could be in the right context very beneficial the thing is when that system breaks down there's no answers to it there's no alternatives there's no modifications on the other side of it Coaches and trainers that went through school, that went through a traditional um, CPT certification, they have a good foundation, but a lot of them don't necessarily have that long-term experience to understand how to adjust, how to modify, um, and how to set up something that is outside of the session. So whenever we were talking about it, how we viewed programming was not in a system because systems fail. And without the context, you don't know how to fix that. You don't know how to adjust from it. 
but more so looking at how we can teach principles to give trainers the tools to be able to uh, modify and adjust programs based on the individual, not just based on the system. With that, the other thought was of trying to bridge that gap for trainers that have been in the industry for a long time, something that we could bring to them that would be beneficial, that would be helpful, that it's not just old material that they're hearing again. It's not just like they're reading through a Tutabampa book and just getting kind of periodization through that text. And then on the other side of it, newer trainers coming in, understanding the from a macro level how to approach a program. So I think one thing we identified both trainers with a lot of experience and newer trainers coming into the field that a lot of our programming traditionally has been based around the sessions that you purchase. So, okay, I get this package. This is the duration I'm going to program from at the end. Hey, do you want to renew? Do we want to keep doing this? Okay. Now I need to figure out what the next program is for the session package. And most people aren't looking at six months out a year out, if there's no financial incentive from the package, but we wanted to, create a way that or a model to be able to use some of those principles in that they could reverse engineer. And that's how our tagline of the course was developed. It's clarity, um, clarity of vision, fluidity of phases. And so in that it's having clear direction based on the goals, based on the needs, based on the intention of where we're trying to get with this client, the long-term goal, but being flexible in how we get there. It's not hard set where I have the whole program for a year written out, but more so the themes that we're going to operate in and then the flexibility through the training week through that micro cycle to be able to look at how that individual is responding and then being able to adapt and change. We still have that long-term vision, but it is going to be that adaptability in the phases that are going to set the intention to be able to be successful long-term. And unlike some of the traditional models that are kind of confined by time durations of it has to, like this has to be three to four weeks and that's all it is. We looked at a model that's a bit more flexible of based on the individual, how do they respond? If they're in a phase, they're responding, like if they're in a lower level phase and they're responding quite well, let's not just drag it out because some system said it has to be this duration. We can advance off of that. Or if somebody isn't responding the way that we thought and they need a little bit more time for that stimulus to develop for their skill level to develop, we can extend that phase out. It doesn't have to be hard set on a timeline. It's more adaptable based on how the individual is responding. And we discuss tools to be able to identify not only how they're responding, but also um, off the initial intake, some of the considerations that we should have to provide a lot of information, to provide a lot of data and feedback so we can make informed decisions on when we are proceeding from a phase to phase, where our initial phase might begin. The exercise that we select to be able to utilize for that individual or when the cycle of changing some of those exercises. We really try to think about our careers in this industry from start to where we currently are and the information that would have 
helped us and some that we see lacking in um, in the industry. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said as far as, you know, taking away those constraints from like a very basic rudimentary, you know, progressive model into more of a fluid, actually living, breathing model that we can, you know, hey, if we're making quick adapt adaptations, we can go from point A to point E instead of going A, B, C, D, then E. You know what I mean? I think there's a lot to be said with uh, with that aspect of it. I don't know what your thoughts are on it. But. Yeah, I think um, like James was saying about, you know, how things are kind of, <clears throat> you know, built maybe for um, a newer trainer uh, kind of on, on the package, right? Like mm-hmm. this is a six-week package. Like this is mm-hmm. how we're going to do it. And, you know, <sighs> there's been a lot of times where the program – doesn't start where you think it's going to start sometimes you know and it changes day to day depending on you know how that client walks in like they may come in and i mean just talking about like the new years with the holidays like people are traveling people are sitting in cars for a long time you know like people are coming in not where we left off right like Mm -hmm. they'll come in and you're like okay we're going to have to take, you know, the page out of, uh, you know, four weeks ago and implement that for the first couple, you know, these, these next couple of days, and then we can be back. So I think there is like, there is a, a gap in that understanding of like, we don't, you know, there's, uh, no, um, bro split, you know, <laughs> yeah, that kind of, for sure. you know, that you can just give to everybody. All right, we're doing bench press today. Sometimes yeah. people come in and it's like, all right, we got to do something way different than that. And so being able to understand that and be fluid with your clients yeah. and being able to take them through with like what they need to, you know, get back to wherever they were at. But yeah. Yeah. It's exactly that. It's kind of twofold that on one side, most trainers are terrible salesmen like because <laughs> they did not get into the industry to make money. Like they get the majority of trainers get in the industry to help people. And so the last thing you want to do is talk about money. And that was a consideration in the course that we talk about is if we're looking at programming long-term, it's not in, okay, we're the week of the last Um, sessions that we have now we have to talk about money no we're talking about the vision of this the whole time we're building rapport with that client and we're helping them see the vision through the progress that we're making so in just simply in the setup of thinking how we're going to be successful long term in this how we're going to reverse engineer we're already discussing what that long-term programming looks like we're all already talking about the progress that we can make. We we can look at where we've come from to get to the point that we are now. Like those conversations should naturally just be happening through the intention of the program that we've developed. Because as you both know, helping sometimes clients don't have that same vision. They don't understand, especially if we're trying to achieve something that they've never done before. It's very, very difficult to see that goal in sight whenever things get tough, whenever they get difficult, whenever it gets the most challenging, that's where it's going to be very hard to really see that long-term success. But that's where the trainer can come in 
with this type of approach to have those conversations long before the last session. So hopefully the idea is by that time, it's a very, very natural process, if not already re-upped long before then, because we're having those conversations, because we're not thinking in context of just the sessions that we have available. We're thinking, what are we going to do past this? And what are we going to do past that? What are we going to, where do we want to be in six months to a year? Um, So I think that's an aspect of it. And then um, the other aspect is, yeah, really that fluidity of phases. It's, it's being flexible with the individual because I think it starts looking or in the same context, it has a conversation outside of a gym setting. And that's a big consideration for long-term success that people people going through certifications and like school, a huge focus is the physical aspect of it. And absolutely, that's a huge contributing part. But to be better at programming, you have to understand the outside stressors that are playing because it's not a one-to-one ratio, but there is an accumulation of stress that needs to be recovered from. And if that's not being considered, you're not going to have successful programs long-term and more than likely you're going to have clients that are either dropping off or that are getting injured more frequent and not seeing success because we're not taking into consideration what's going on outside of the gym that factors into our decisions of how we create that program of how we adapt to that individual. Alex, you, you listed the new year. That's kind of a perfect example that, you know, there might be some inconsistency in their ability to train with travel, um, with holidays, with family, everything like that. The mindset should not be that the gym has to become the priority. Like those things are very, very important we as trainers need to adapt around that schedule and be considerate of what those, what those barriers are going to be and be able to adapt and fluctuate our programs based on that information from the client. The other side of it, with it being the new year, um, something that we discuss in the course, a client coming in, like a new client coming in, less is better. One of the questions that we talk about in our initial intake is, What can you do on your worst week? Mm -hmm. And that's our starting point because I'm not worried about, you know, an eight week challenge and trying to get you to drop as much body fat percent and probably muscle mass in eight weeks, just so I can show us, see, you can get results. It's, it's a greater conversation of where can I help this develop into a habit? Where can I find consistency? I don't care if it's one or two days because most people around this time coming in, they go from, from, you know, doing very, very little to nothing to wanting to go five days a week. It's like, that's not sustainable. You've developed for the last you know, month, six months, years, you've developed the habit of not having this as part of your life. We need to get into a routine where you can get consistent, where we can have some flexibility that whenever life starts happening, we're able to fluctuate that and, you know, going, going the five days right out of the gate probably isn't best for most people, even though it might mean, Hey, more sessions, it might mean like a higher payout at the very beginning. But if that client falls off, then that's zero. Whereas we can look to, Hey, can we start smaller and continue to build? Because 
as a coach or a trainer, if you believe in your abilities that you can get results and find success for your clients, it's completely okay to start at that lower end and build up because once those successes start happening, once they start seeing the results, and once that habit is developed into their lifestyle, they're going to be able to do more days. They're going to be able to be more frequent. And that gives you a lot more options as a coach. No, I think, uh, you know, to your point of starting people, you know, or sorry, crawl, walk, run aspect of it. Instead of just going from sitting the fucking running and then they're just feeling like crap all the time. They're not really invested in, what you're bringing, you're bringing to the table as far as the services and they're, they're, uh, they're wanting to continue with you after, you know, a three month contract or a six month contract is not going to be there. You know, if you just go from zero to a hundred instead of, you know, going through the progressive overload principles and going down that path versus, okay, zero to a hundred. And I kind of talked to my clients about, you know, you remember the biggest loser, right? The uh, mm -hmm. television show, those motherfuckers should have been, starting crawling for at least two months before they just throw them on a fucking treadmill and just kill them on fucking national TV. And I think that put a bad taste in everybody's mouth when it comes to, you know, hiring a personal trainer, getting into the gym. There's that anxiety of, okay, my first session, he's going to fucking kill me. You know what I mean? So I've talked to Alex and a couple other trainers too, is, you know, and I've talked to killing as well as, you know, for your first client coming in, reach out to them a day prior, reach out to them that morning and say, Hey, looking forward to seeing you. This is what we got going on the table. Kind of bring that anxiety level from here down to there, make them feel more comfortable with you, with yourself or with the trainer. So. Yeah. And that reach out's very important because it's one of the things with anybody coming into the university. The first thing I don't have my trainers do is take any of their resting measurements. Like talk to them for a bit. Like, Let's talk about goals. Let's work through some paperwork because their anxiety is probably going to be high. It's a new setting. This is something they're not used to. They're probably concerned and we're going to get, you know, not adequate um, feedback or input from some of those resting measurements until they've had a time to develop that rapport. So that reach out initially, it's also like not only to help kind of put them at ease, but also can always send over a quick reminder. Hey, make sure. You wear closed-toed shoes. Make sure you bring a water bottle. Little things like that, that that they might not think about or they might be too focused on other aspects where they're not doing some of those little things. So that reach out, it's a small thing that a trainer can do, but it can be very, very important and very impactful. Yeah, I think the return on investment just for your simple 10-second text message to that new client is tenfold when it comes back to you know, them being more willing to perform movements that they've never done before, being more comfortable in the gym setting and stuff like that. So, yeah. And it's, it's funny that you bring up the biggest loser because still to this day, like that's a mentality that as a trainer with new clients coming in that you're having to combat because yeah. I get still widely thought that, okay, to lose weight, I have to start running or, Unless I'm sweating and, you know, can barely sit on the toilet the next day, it wasn't a good workout that it's having to go kind of re unlearn that and help re-educate people what fitness and health actually can be. 
it's interesting because there um i haven't read it in years but there was a follow-up study to biggest loser and not only did the majority of them gain back the weight that they started show with most of them were in worse shape gained more weight had larger health issues but think about it it makes sense because they were never taught strategies to be successful long term yeah and some of the like the people on that show are some seen as some of the top trainers in the industry right like then that's an industry problem in itself but but from our standpoint that's really what what you're coming up against with a lot of people coming in is that's just how it's viewed and so it's trying to combat that it's trying to help them on similar to pain like help them unlearn that so we can move forward so we can re-educate and they can have a better experience yeah no i think uh you hit a bullet point too as far as you know teaching the client you know my goal as a trainer is not to have that same client for life right i mean obviously i'll have some people who just need to stay moving you know the older demographic population but you know somebody coming in who's 20 30 early 40s early 50s i want to give them the tools to succeed once I cut that, you know, that tether from me to them, they can continue that, that healthy lifestyle. They got the habits, they got the knowledge, you know I mean? They got the confidence in themselves to write a program, nutrition properly, go to the gym on a consistent basis. You know, if I didn't give that to my client and I see them six months down the road and they're back to where they were when I first saw them or they're worse, I failed. You know what I mean? I take that personally. Yeah. And I think that's, that's an important mentality to kind of have. And it's not to say that anybody listening to this, like kick your clients out after six months, by <laughs> no means, because that's not how you pay the bills, but, but giving them the tools. So if it is their choice, they can move on and still stay successful. And in your guys' setting, you guys are limited to the amount of clients that you can take on because there's only so many hours in the day in the week. And, you guys have things that you have to do outside of just living in that gym. So, so being able to bring on new clients, like you can have a larger impact and outreach if you're not keeping all your clients for the long duration, but letting some of them cycle out yeah. where, yeah, it, retention is important, but having a mentality of, hey, it's okay if I've taught them everything that they need to allow them to kind of start cycling out or looking at a filter system where, okay, we're moving from in-person to maybe more online now because it's more time feasible for you and it still serves that education piece for them, but they don't need you right there on every single rep because you've helped them develop that skill. I think that's a mentality that sometimes lost that over the years I've started understanding isn't isn't as prominent in the industry or gym spaces. Whereas in my space, that's my only option because at most we're getting trainers for four years. And that's like, Hey, if somebody comes in on point, knowing what they want to do more than likely, like with the breaks and everything like that, that we have um, in the school year, winter break, summer break. No, we're getting somebody for maybe a semester. Um, as far as my staff, maybe two years, like three years is awesome. Four is probably unheard of, but inherently because of the space that I work in and that I developed my career in 
they don't stay. So it was having to take on a mentality of like, how can I develop them in this limited time? Because the goal is to move forward. Like if you're here in seven years and you're not pursuing a doctoral degree, something's wrong. Like there's a larger issue there that we probably need to sit down and like have a conversation about. But just because the environment that I'm in, it's kind of created that this is an absolute. People are going to move on that you don't see that mentality as frequent outside of that space. So I think it's very important and very helpful. You guys having that because it gives you more options. You're not limited to just that one client for the next five years or not just limited to to the only way you can make money is those hour to hour sessions, which is important for trainers too, because like passion will get you far, but you also have to pay the bills. And if you're not paying the bills, like you're not going to stay in this industry very long. No, definitely not. And I think that's a good, uh, you know, transition into the next topic as far as like industry standards, you know what I mean? What do you like to see more in the industry? For me personally, I think it's way too fucking easy to get into the industry. And by that meaning is you can go get a weekend warrior certificate and then get thrown to the wolves. And now you're responsible for another human being and their body. You know what I mean? I heard a horror story not too long ago about a trainer here in town. He had a 72 or 73 year old lady. Her first session, she's, she's doing fucking tire flips. You know what I mean? 15 minutes. disc. Yeah, 15 minutes into the fucking yep. session, she's on the ground, can't fucking move. Here comes the ambulance. Not laughing at that lady, just. Yeah, for sure. Laugh. But, you know what I mean? That's That kind of puts a, a bad taste on the industry as a whole, too, is, you know, you get some of these people out there that don't really take the time to educate themselves, you know, cut their teeth on the floor hour after hour after hour and staying within their scope of practice and going, you know, shooting, shooting blind in the dark at that point. So. How about you, Alex? Um, what's something that you'd like to see in the industry? And then I'll kind of wrap my points. Um, kind of along the same lines, right? Of like, can we have, you know, almost like a little bit more regulation as far as like who can, you know, like take someone's body and, you know, do things like, can we have a little bit more, you know, paperwork to say you know paperwork to get into this industry um and i you know on the same lines like yeah it's it's i feel like you know personal training you know essentially is is kind of like this newer area you know so like it's it is growing it's getting better but can we have oh you know almost like prescript like can we have better education that's allows people to understand and apply things. Cause like, I mean, just like that story, like yeah. why, like what was the, you know, like what went through your mind of like, all right, like this is what we're going to do with this person. You know, like when I take new clients, especially sedentary clients mm -hmm. that they haven't done shit in 10 years, you know, they, and they, everybody comes in cause of what they've seen, you know, biggest loser going back to the biggest loser, you know, like what they perceive as like, all right, this is what I'm signing up for. And then I take them in and I'm like, Hey, you know, we're going to do a hinge pattern. We're going to flex the knee and we're going to rotate a little bit and, you know, taking people through this and it's like, Oh, wow. Like 
that's okay. I feel these things. And, you know, at the end they're like, Oh, that was, a, that was our first workout. And, you know, they leave feeling better. Yeah. Um, you know, and being able to, again, like our beginning conversation, work through programming and eventually get to a point where, you know, we can put the gas pedal down, but starting these people off like that and giving them a different perception of like, Oh, this, this is what health and fitness can be. Of, I feel better. Now I'm doing daily activities without pain in my back and stuff like that. And like giving people this understanding of like, okay, like this is why, you know, this is important to do for a long time versus, you know, people typically come in and they're, you know, like I need to lose 10, 15 pounds. And I'm like, that's great. Like, but what's the deeper reasoning for all this stuff? Like, well, I want to, you know, be able to play with my kids. And I'm like, okay, so that means not feeling like shit when you're running around, you know, and stuff like that. And so giving people this, this long-term understanding, if you will, of like, okay, this is why I should always do stuff like this. Cause I'll feel better. Um, and, but coming back to my point of like, just ha having education, which prescript is that, and I tell everybody that, you know, wants to get into the industry, like you need to, you know, you can't just do like a weekend warrior thing. Like you have to understand, be able to apply, be able to understand where people are at and how to change things. But, you know, almost like just a better educational system yeah. for trainers. You know, it goes back to, you know, every action has a consequence, whether it's a positive consequence or a negative consequence. And there's a huge gap in the, uh, you know, the, you know, the weekend warrior training compared to like the 16, 18 week courses that you guys offer through prescript is, you know, <laughs> now we can fill that gap in as far as, okay, if I have a 73 year old lady and what's my consequence of her jumping right into a top flip, you know, that doesn't click in the head. You know what I mean? So just a yeah. big, just yeah. a big gap between getting the certification and then being allowed to have control over another human being is definitely a, definitely a big gap there. And people are yeah. paying money. Yeah. Well, exactly. They're they're paying money and would like to see results. And I think it's a <laughs> it's a complex conversation. Um, I definitely think it's one worth having. Kind of initially, like my go-to with it is always that in the industry, we need to set a standard and create that standard of what it should be. And hopefully through that, it kind of just stimulates down. Or just through the results developed um, through the education, through the clients that that can stand on its own and speak for itself. Um, I think most people would would like to see some type of regulation. The only thing I'll say with that is, and why I kind of more so look to the industry to set that standard of regulation rather than allowing that to control to some outside agency because it gets sticky very quick. We can look at on um with the nutrition side of it now to be a so this is something similar that with dietitians or that uh yeah registered dietitians went through that it became a licensure and the issue is is now you have people that are very well educated that are very informed through taking courses and stuff but are limited in what they can actually do because they don't have that education piece so I think sometimes we just need to be mindful of giving that control outside of it. I think where training is right now, it's too expansive to ever try to pull it back. Like 
nutrition was able to do in the early days, because here's the thing, like Chris, you coming into it at a, you know, different stage in your life, not right out the get go for you to go into become a registered dietitian, you know, that's depending on if you have the bachelor's degree and have gone through that route, that can be anywhere from three to seven more years of school right. where you're not going to get into this space because yeah. of that. So looking at where that barrier is, um, I think we can set a better standard. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a little bit more iffy on regulatory bodies coming into the space, but that's because I've seen the results of that. And there have been a lot of conversations in trying to turn it into a licensure. Mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily have the answer of what, what the best model would look like. The only thing that I have available is like to set a standard that I, I believe should be upheld by, um, by the industry and by the community. And again, just trying to like best of practice, putting it in play that, that I'd look less so like that trainer. Absolutely. Like went against some of the education that that trainer had, um, should not have been training that individual maybe wasn't ready, but then I also look to that job that hired him. Like, yeah. why did you put this trainer in a position that they weren't going to be successful? Part of that goes to, if we look in commercial spaces, most of those people aren't fitness people. They're not from a fitness background that they're from a business background. And so we start seeing a separation in the industry. And I think that's in part of why aspects of it get taken advantage of because money and business do become a huge factor in how to promote, how to market, how to sell things. Um, whereas you have this whole other side of it that's looking at it more so in the context of the conversations that we're having today. I think as you low, as you try to impact the most people possible, inherently you have to lower the barrier um, of people to be able to reach the most amount of people. So I think in that conversations, it, it's, do you want to reach the most people or do you want to hold the highest quality? And I think there's somewhere in the middle that we can meet myself yeah. as an employer, somebody coming in with the um, CPT. I look at that as foundational knowledge. This is my expectation of you that you should have this information and you should be able to answer these questions because this is what your certify your certification claims that you're knowledgeable in. We should probably look at again industry standard. A couple layers past that. One of the things that I've done in a at a university, um, like our interview, is I send them a table of exercise. I give them like a brief, um, kind of a brief overview of like here is a mock client. Write me a program. And then our interview is going through and talking about that program. Tell me why you did this. What were you thinking about this? It helps me, but again, it puts it back on me of I need to understand and I need to kind of gauge where this person is. Um, we also do where all of our trainers at Washburn, they have to go through a um, four-week, 16-hour course with me, just yeah. you know, a small group individually. And it's, I arranged it in that way because I wanted to take the information that they were learning in the classroom and bridge that gap for them. Because um, 
a lot of it was lecture and a lot of them are in kinesiology a lot are athletes and you know they have the physical aspect of it they have the education side of it through lecture but there's still a big disparity between those in understanding how them as an athlete moves and perform to being able to understand how to adapt that information and that knowledge into a different person to be able to train a client. And, and so looking at how we can kind of bridge that gap in education, but I think as a whole, that's looking at the industry, how we set a standard is just through the quality that we're able to put out and having people like you that, you know, are products of it, it, that a prescript course isn't your only education. I don't think even like as great as prescript is, I don't think that should be somebody's only education. It's absolutely. There is layers and layers that you can go um, through us to be able to hit on a lot of different aspects, a lot of different interests, but always step outside to see what's going on outside of it. Like don't become a system and a follower just of a system. Cherry pick all things. See what, you can take like what information you understand, you can adapt and implement. Um, we talk about in the programming course, one of the things that I'll do is with my clients is a movement screen, but a movement screen is only effective if you understand what you're looking for in that movement. If it's a very complex movement and you're getting one thing out of it, it's probably not super benefit or as beneficial as it could be. You're probably better to have more of an isolated assessment because that's how you understand movement that's where your coach's eye currently is is just being able to see this one thing that's fine but being self-aware that should help better inform what exercise you can appraise and which ones you can't and that should determine some of um, your exercise selection like if you have somebody squat and you can only see one thing in it you're not picking out five, six different things that you're looking at or having key points, a leg press might be better for you or a leg extension. You know, something that is coaching to your level is okay. You don't have to coach outside of it, but you need to be self-aware enough to understand where you are and what you can understand and see those limitations and be willing to invest in the education to start developing outside of it. And that's where some advanced courses come in like some of the prescript courses or being able to go to conferences and seminars like uh Swiss, like in SCA where you're starting to get outside knowledge again, that you can cherry pick and start bringing it in um, and put it into practice in a way that you understand it and you can adapt it. So I think that's long form. What I'd like to see <laughs> is like, yeah, I think it's with this coaches being more self-aware mm-hmm. of their limitations. I think experience as well. And I, I, I experience and, you know, call it passion if you want, but like their want to do this. I, I, I've just, I've met with so many people, um, you know, specifically like ESU students and I can just tell off the bat, like, this is not for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like you just, you can tell when, you know, like Bryson, for example, like mm-hmm. he's very interested, you know, he's, he wants to learn more about everything. He, 
Yeah. wants to help people. And every time he comes to the gym, he's asking a different question. He's asking the whys and the intent behind it yeah. and stuff. You know, he he would be a good, yeah. good guy and, in, into training for sure. Yeah. And like I've chatted with a few students and I'm like, you know, I think there's this, um, especially athletes, you know, like they're like, they want to, they go in and, and I'm like, well, what do you want to do? And I just love to, you know, train, train athletes. I'm like, that's awesome. But, you know, in this industry we are in, like, I've trained small handful, yeah. maybe 2% mm -hmm. of athletes. Because, like, the people, one, that have money to invest in training are older people. Mm -hmm. So most of the time you're working with general population older people. And that's, you know, that line where. I can have a conversation with somebody and I'm like, you know, you'll be disappointed Yeah, <laughs> coming in, you know, and just, and so like having that passion and having the, um, the experience, cause you know, it's definitely this industry, no matter where you go, it is a challenge. I mean, you know, that oh, for like sure. starting out that first year, like you definitely, it's, it's hard. And, you know, some people just, don't give it enough time. You know, I know when I started and I got the foundational cert, you know, immediately starting out, um, you know, and like you said, James, like, you know, coaching to where your knowledge is, right? Like, so being able to, you know, understand, okay, like that's, this is all I know. Like, so this is what I'm going to do and not trying to be fancy, fancy, you know, and like, yeah, go out of those, <laughs> out of those boxes, but immediately like going in, I was like, I need to know more, you know, like I need to learn more. I need to understand because I just felt like I didn't know enough, especially for people giving me their money. Yeah. I was like, I need to understand more. So, you know, and giving yourself the time, you know, and the grace of like, Hey, it's okay to start here, but let's continue to look at whatever it is, research, do other certs, get involved in other communities, talk to other coaches, like, and be open to, you know, taking an experience and learning as much as you fucking can, you know, in those first, those first two years, I think just taking as much information as you can in. And then again, with experience, being able to apply it, understand it, know, okay, like this definitely isn't going to work for client A and B, but it could be good for C and being able to you know, kind of shift through that stuff but i think overall it's just like get some reps in yeah, sure. yeah the dunning kruger effect is very very real and <laughs> absolutely i think um you know to speak to that a little bit that i also believe that passion has to be in this industry or has to be in your practice to be able to make it sustainable for you because like, that's why my tagline in byproduct performances fall in love with the process and results will be the byproduct yeah it's because that that passion is what's going to make those hard times a little easier because there is a harsh reality to this industry that a lot of people don't understand getting into it and you see it most commonly at the student level first off not understanding what all the options in the industry, because there's a lot of things that you can do here, but somebody not passionate enough to even search those out 
to have a better grasp and understanding that can say some things because you want to see like what all your options are. Somebody that's not, not looking to um, not looking to have the most options that they can, they're automatically going to be limited and don't have a wide perspective of what potentially can happen. The other aspect of it, like if we go either route with S and C or personal training, it's hard starting out like realizing, yeah, you want to train athletes. Okay. Does that mean that you're willing to make maybe 30,000 a year for a lot of years that you're going to be the person as a assistant SNC or a coordinator, or even worse, like a, you know, grad student or like volunteer where it's no money that you're willing to show up for 5 a.m. that you're going to get the sports that you don't care about. You're not going to get the big ones because the head S and Z coach, he's taking the big ones and he's taking the times that works best for him. So that 11, that 11 o'clock, that one's (laughs) gone. You're going to get the chess club and the pool billiards club and the crochet club for your first couple of years for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So it's the willingness. Hey, am I willing to endure that? And I think that comes from passion and the same thing with your first couple of years, if not longer as a personal trainer, it's okay. I'm not getting like, I'm just taking in anybody I can because I need to make money to survive. Like you don't get to turn away clients. You don't get to be selective of like, this is my ideal client. No, you're, you're just trying to survive at that point. And a lot of people drop off. And, and I think those harsh conversations, not even harsh, but realistic conversations early on, that would really challenge individuals of, hey, do you actually want to pursue this? Because this isn't going to be what you think it is. And we're seeing, I think it's going to be a rude awakening for a lot of newer trainers coming in that are just starting out online. Like, understand, why would I select you online whenever there's, you know, a program on Train Heroic for $30 that I can follow? Or like, there's so many other options. Why would I stick with you? Yeah. yeah. And not having that experience and understanding some of the intricacies and some of the details that you get in person that absolutely you can take that information and adapt it to online. I think it's a lot harder trying to go online without that experience or an online coach now trying to adapt to in person. It's a completely different ball game. Oh, Absolutely. Definitely experiencing that on my end for sure is, you know, trying to market the online and transition to online, you know, within the first year, it was pretty tough, you know, cause you're getting into the industry as far as, you know, you have access to anything that you want just by a couple of clicks. Right. So what, 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 what do I bring to the table? That's a lot different than people who are doing five, 10, 15 years of online training, you know, trying to bridge that gap. It's definitely a, been a process a little bit more than I initially thought it was going to be, but I thought mm-hmm. I love the challenge of it for sure. But it kind of turned it on and floodgates didn't it just pour out overwhelming amount of online clients. And that's, yeah. that's the reality of it. It is for sure. And you know, that's, uh, you know, getting our next topic is like, you know, valuable information, you know, for new coaches, new personal trainers, just getting into the industry. And I think you hit a couple of good points is for, was, you know, having a realistic expectation getting into your first couple of years versus, you know, I think the expectation of, you know, wanting to make 10 K a month, 15 K a month. Yeah. You could probably do that within, 
you know, six, seven years, but you're definitely not going to do that in your first two to three. You know what I mean? You got to build the brand. If you got a brand, you got to build the name, build the reputation. And from my experience so far is 90% of my business so far has been a referral base. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You got to start that funnel. You got to build that funnel. You can't just do it from zero and expect to get 15 clients within your first month because it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, before we get too far in the weeds, we should, we should uh, put our, mm -hmm. put our stamp down here and maybe save the rest for our next we'll do a part two. Yeah, for sure. um, yeah, we, we've got a, a couple clients, um, not to, no, put in here. I understand how you are part of the industry. <laughs> we love, we love talking to you, James, for sure. It's always, it's always, we, a could, we could easily sit here for another <laughs> hours. <for sure. laughs> um, James, thank you for your time, man. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely get back on here and, and dive into that, yeah. that next room that we're going into. But, uh, um, sure. thank you for your time, man. Thanks for being here with us. Um, we appreciate it. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Always yeah. good to see you, buddy. So we'll have to get together in person. I'd sent Brandon a message. You know, I think he's in California for the next couple of weeks. We need to get together for another session. Yeah. So yeah. I'll be, uh, I'll, um, text you guys some of the information, but all it looks like I'll be in Emporia the February 18th to train the ESU rec staff. So we can probably, if you guys are open and available, we can probably uh, get something going after that. Absolutely. Good leg day, some steaks and a few beers. There you go. Oh, there we go. Awesome. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right, brother. All right. You guys take it easy. See you, man. Bye. Bye.